Welcome to AI Home Podcast, the first podcast for real estate resources and independent living strategies for the disability community. Why? Because accessibility is home. Hi, I'm Angel Fox, blogger, author, and your host. Please stay tuned to the very end to learn about my free handouts and more importantly, how easily the call to action I will give you at the end can, well, lower the kitchen sinks but raise the bars for disability home ownership. Now, let's begin! The month of March has two important dates. March 1st is International Wheelchair Day, and March 12th is the 34th anniversary of the Fair Housing Act amendment that officially made effective that disabilities are a protective basis. No more gracier. Making the month of March all about wheelchair housing. One of the most fundamental modifications for wheelchair users are ramps. Ramps are more than just for wheelchair users. Ramps have been used by the able-bodied community as well. What is not well known is that the use of ramps did not start from the Industrial Revolution or the Passing Americans with Disabilities Act. Believe it or not, ramps were part of ancient Greek and Egyptian gods' shrines. It allowed the sick easier access to the shrines to be healed. It kind of makes you wonder why it took so long for modern history to make hospitals and other places wheelchair accessible. One of the crucial pieces of information for anyone is how am I going to pay for a ramp? Health insurance, whether private or Medicare, all focus on providing necessary medical services. It's challenging to describe whether private insurance will cover the cost of a ramp because there are so many insurance companies out there. I still recommend you, if you do have private insurance, that you follow along with the Medicare's criteria that I'm about to explain as a framework for you to help you make your case to your private insurance company to cover the cost of this ramp. The qualifications to cover ramps have changed in recent years, for the better. However, traditionally, Medicare declared ramps as Durable Medical Equipment, DME. And for those who are not wheelchair users or do not have any medical device, a DMV is any equipment that is used for medical purposes. When you have a DME requirement, your doctor must say it is medically necessary. The conventional wisdom, therefore, believes that as such, it is difficult to get Medicare to approve a ramp. I do not doubt that the threshold is high, considering that on its face, it does seem silly that a ramp would be a durable medical equipment. But someone's asking your doctor to write a prescription for a battery to replace for your wheelchair. And yes, I had to do that every two or three years. So with that in mind, you never know. However, if you use Medicare's requirements against them, you are that much closer to getting your ramp reimbursed. Let's look at wheelchairs. Wheelchairs are considered DMV, as I mentioned. Medicare will not reimburse a wheelchair if you will be using it only in the home. Yes, you heard me correctly. The wheelchair must be used indoors and outdoors. Keeping your wheelchair for 5 years is also a benchmark for Medicare whether you can get a brand new wheelchair. 
Until such time has elapsed, you will have to repair parts or prove the wheelchair is not functional. Let's connect all these facts to, the, to give you an argument that will make Medicare pay for your ramp. If you have a wheelchair that Medicare has paid for and is less than 5 years old, this should apply to you. Use the same medical language used for your wheelchair. Mention that you still need to use the same wheelchair to safely go out of your home. And you also need a ramp to get that done. The reason why I mentioned safely is because of the changes in Medicare rules I alluded to but didn't really describe. Medicare without more insurance is pretty basic coverage. That is why there is supplemental insurance called Medicare Advantage. You probably have seen commercial advertising these plans. The Medicare Advantage did not cover a lot of home care because it fell under this idea of daily maintenance. But in 2018, Medicare announced that its Medicare Advantage insurance could cover home care and community services if it meets their definition of a health benefit. A health benefit is items and services that are intended to prevent injury, compensate for a functional need, or reduce the need for emergency care. If you ask me, being able to wheel into your home is a functional need and could prevent injury if you were forced to get into your home by climbing over those entryway steps. If you cannot get your insurance to reimburse the cost of the ramp, there are nonprofit organizations that can provide you either a grant or have volunteers who have built it for you for free. In fact, of all the items you need to modify your home, to be wheelchair accessible, a ramp, in my opinion, is the most likely cause to be covered through some kind of assistance. When prioritizing your money for modifications, I recommend finding financial assistance for this particular item and using the money you do have for other items, like a accessible kitchen. You should be looking at housing assistance organizations like Habitat for Humanity, local religious organizations, and organizations that are specific to your disability. I have an entire chapter in my book, My Blue Front Door, about fundraising that I recommend you read for more help. It can be found on Amazon. Any ramp that gets you into where you need to go is a ramp for you. However, not all ramps are created equal. A great resource on what type of ramps and so much more is called ramps.org. But when I looked at Ramps.org, I do need to make a note. I realized that Ramps.org, even though it does say an organization, it is actually owned by a company or affiliated by a company, I can't tell, called Handy Ramp, H-A-D-I-A-I. Handy Ramp is affiliated with this. I also will say that viewing the information, it is clear that building ramps are not done so through universal lens, at least not entirely. So what I'm about to provide is a combination of what is on the website and my education and experience. And now a quick break from our sponsor. So as you can see and also hearing me, I am sitting on my back deck and I have my grill. I love being out in my back deck. I hate when I forget something and I have to wheel back into the house particularly my cell phone. However, I'm excited to announce that another disabled-owned business, Cush Pocket, has come up with a solution. 
by creating this fabulous wheelchair bag. I love this bag and have been a proud customer since almost the very beginning. Why do I like it? One, it's huge. Two, it comes in multiple colors. But three, you can put it anywhere on the base of your wheelchair. How does that happen? It's attached to the strap and it has little, little Velcro. You put it directly underneath your cushion of your wheelchair. And the Velcro and the weight of your body ensures that this fabulous cush pocket bag it certainly will not move. I personally have two directly in front of me and it hides behind my legs and I love that because it's so much more convenient. Trust me, you will never forget anything ever again. So as you can see down below, I have a direct link for Kush Pocket. And if you use my code Angela Fox, you will get $1 off. And not only will you get a fabulous bag, but you'll also support two disabled owned businesses, Kush Pocket and my business, Horizontal Houses. Check it out. For home ramps, there are five types out there. Threshold, folding, suitcase, telescoping, and a modular. All the ramps are technically not permanent because each type of ramp can be removed and not permanently attached. So let's look into each ramp more closely. Threshold ramps are used to overcome steps between half an inch to six inches high and are typically made of rubber or metal materials. As you can see, the ramps are not meant for big, big steps, just to cover a small or threshold, right? I use a threshold ramp to overcome uh, a inch step that I had that was created by uneven flooring inside my home. The previous owners placed new flooring on top of the old flooring and caused this bump. The next is a suitcase ramp, and I have one myself as well. This ramp can be used for steps between 6 inches high to 72 inches high. The design of this ramp folds in half and has a built-in handle for portable use. Hence the name of a suitcase. You can easily take it with you like a suitcase because of the handle. I used this uh, ramp, the suitcase ramp, when I was house hunting to get into the homes. I also keep it in the back of my handicap van because you never know when there's one or two steps when I'm out and about in the community. The next ramp is called the folding ramp. This ramp can be used for steps between 16 inches high to 144 inches high. Hinges help ramps like these fold for easy storage and portability and may come in a bifolder fold or trifold design. They can be laid over certain small steps or stairs and used to enter wheelchair accessible vehicles. The next ramp is called a telescoping ramp. This ramp is used for about the same amount of inches as the folding ramp. The difference is this ramp functions as two separate metal tracks or channels that can be extended and retracted to appropriate height and reach. I'm not quite sure why anyone uses this because it requires that as a wheelchair user, you ensure that one side of your wheels is on one, one track and then the other side of the wheels of your wheelchair is on the other track. And if you are a scooter, you can't use this at all because of that third wheel. The last type of ramp is called a modular ramp. A modular ramp can be used for an unlimited height of steps. While this style of ramp can be fixed permanently to chosen outdoor entryways, 
Its design is technically portable since pieces are pre-manufactured lightweight material for fast assembly. You're not making it by hand. These typically do not require additional permits. Whatever temporary ramp you select, you still need to consider other, a few other things. First, can it be done? You may find that you have a home that has a landing platform that make it extremely difficult. A landing platform is a platform that is usually two or three feet long that's between the bottom steps into the home and the last step in front of the doorway. Often the landing platform is not only not long enough to place your tire wheelchair, meaning one of your back wheels is on a step, but they're also not long enough or big enough to maneuver your wheelchair from the platform onto a separate onto the ramp itself to get into the home. Depending on the various height of the bottom steps and into the doorway, the angle could prevent the ramp from reaching the front of the door, meaning you're gonna put the ramp all the way over the platform. I can't tell you how many homes I tried to visit with my suitcase ramp, for example, that had this annoying landing platform. It really just messes everything up. Next, you also need to consider the weight, the weight limit of the ramp itself. We all know that most electric wheelchairs are about 250 pounds or more, so that's something to be to consider. Outside of weight requirement, you also need to consider what is your comfortability in using the ramp. Unlike sidewalk ramps that are stagnant and are generally the same degree of incline, the ramp you will be using is neither. The ramp incline could be much steeper than you are used to. The ramp also can technically shift a little, even if it's temporarily bolted down. Another way of looking at it is that one ramp for a person in an electric wheelchair may be just fine, but not okay for someone in a manual wheelchair. You will just have to eyeball it yourself. I recommend that you compensate by getting a ramp that is wider than what you actually need. This will give you a little wiggle room if you choose, choose to wheel up a steeply inclined ramp. Now, this all presumes you are not adhering to the traditional ADA, ADA standards or other codes, which may surprise you that you can do. And I'll talk a little bit more about that later. This is also a good time to talk about pros and cons of a temporary and a permanent ramp. A permanent ramp is not based on the length of time you use it. Rather, it is permanent if it's attached to the home permanently, okay? Generally speaking, a ramp that's made of wood is usually a permanent ramp, and the opposite is true if it's a metal ramp. Permits are said to be required for permanent ramps for safety reasons, but there are other benefits, well, at least to the city, in tracking the changes that could raise the value of the home. I remember that my parents had put in a pool without a need for a permit. A few years later, they decided to put a fence around the pool and had to get a permit for the fence. Why the fence around the pool but not the pool itself that required a permit? I couldn't tell you, but my parents were not surprised that six months later, after the inspector had come and made his blessing, they found out that their property taxes will be increased slightly the next year because of the value the pool added to the home. The same is true for a ramp. It adds value to the home if it's done right. A home's value is more than just what it contains, like two beds and two bathrooms. It is also the overall layout of the home and of the decor. 
all of which is situated to time period and social norms. A quick example would be the idea that now most people want an open floor layout and neutral colors for flow. Rejecting the traditional belief that a woman's place was in the kitchen and that it is separated from the rest of the home. Progress, ladies. The same cannot be said, however, about ramps. Many feel the use of them puts a stigma on the user and devalues the home. I will never forget the time when my grandmother was too fearful of putting a temporary ramp in front of her home because she said burglars would know a handicapped person couldn't defend themselves and will make her a target. I asked her if the same would be true about parking her car with a handicapped plate for the past several years. Of course not, she said. I replied, but both could indicate that a disabled person lived in the home. It's just that one, the handicapped plate, has been demystified and the other has not. Lucky for all of us, enough progress has been made that RAM could be seen as increasing the value of the home, even if it's not increasing your property taxes. The pivotal point is the location and the decor of the ramp. You might want to immediately place a ramp directly over the front entrance and select a ramp made of steel for ultra-weight endurance. Realistically, this would mean that your ramp would be temporary because other able-bodied people may be hesitant to walk up this ramp. So placing the ramp down only when it's needed is likely to occur. But there's a solution that depends on the front entrance steps layout. If you have a front entrance, with one or two what I call annoying steps with some kind of paved sidewalk, then I ask whether you need those steps at all. Instead, match the front sidewalk materials like the cement to create your ramp that replaces the steps and creates what is called a zero-step entryway. If you don't have any sidewalk in front of your home, now's the time to create it. But the key is not to make it look like the ramp is not part of the sidewalk or part of the house itself. That is what I did on steroids. As I mentioned in my book, My Blue Front Door, I needed a driveway because there was none existence when I bought the home, and I needed a driveway for my handicapped van. I created a raised driveway and added a curved sidewalk around the front of this beautiful tree into the front deck. You can visit my website, horizontalhouses.com, to actually see a picture of my home it's the background of the home page. If you have a home with several steps into the front entrance, putting a straight ramp, whether it is a poured cement ramp or a pre-made one, may be too difficult because it's steep incline. Don't count yourself out like so many people do. A zigzag ramp could still be in the cards for you. A zigzag ramp goes back and forth in a zigzag pattern having landing platforms at each turn to allow a wheelchair user to turn until reaching the top of your destination. You can also think of a zigzag ramp as a combination of separate smaller ramps, breaking up the total incline by using each ramp to slowly get you up higher. The cost of this kind of ramp is significantly more because of the extra cost of materials, whatever you decide to use. That's the only downfall. It is also important to know that you shouldn't discount a front entrance if you have a front porch. A zigzag ramp can be built in front of your porch and attached to it, 
making it look like the ramp is part of the porch. I find these ramps are very pleasing to the eye and actually make your porch look bigger. A home with just a step or two and another with several are the two typical scenarios for front entrance. But a home can have different ways to get into it. For example, a back door. As an advocate, I would normally cringe at the idea of having to go through the back door. It's still not my preferred suggestion. However, a back door can have fewer steps. What you must consider is how you would get from the front of the house to the back. Does your house have grass on the side of your home or do you have some kind of pavement like a sidewalk or a driveway that you can use in all weather conditions? Another location to build a ramp can be inside an attached garage. Unlike the front or back location of the home, you must consider how big your garage is and how many cars you point to to house. You must also be able to have enough space to wheel around your parked car and get into the ramp. This is a similar dilemma that I mentioned about having a landing platform between the bottom and the top of the steps of your front entryway. Finally, the decor of the ramp is less important in a garage. After all, a garage is totally based on being functional and is not used for leisure. Once you have decided the type of ramp and its location, now you must build it. Anyone can build a ramp provided that you have construction skills and you feel you can build it safely. What you might find your contractor might be hesitant or your handyman because of the idea of liability, meaning the person is not familiar with what they need to to be provided, the ADA standard they may think. Liability is a real consideration but may be misplaced. You need to remind them that the federal laws like the ADA will not apply for privately owned single-family housing unless that home is open to the public. The Fair Housing Act doesn't apply to any home that was not built through governmental funding. The sale, renting, and HOAs of a private home could be governed by the Fair Housing Act and have some disability regulations. But that doesn't apply to the focus of building a ramp for a private home, and I do talk about that in my other episodes. The only possible liability will be state and local code regulations, including a need for a permit. Now, most counties and states require that all general contractors be licensed, meaning that they have passed a knowledge of knowing what the codes are. However, a simple Google search on your end or an email to your county inspector could provide you guidance. If you do not have a local code, which I'd be surprised if you don't, that applies to ramps, I still recommend following the ADA ratio, if it's feasible. The ADA ratio for building a ramp is 1 to 12 inches. Following the ADA will hopefully make the ramp easier to use, and you won't have to necessarily eyeball it or guess about the incline. If you or your general contractor still need more technical assistance, Check out ramps.org, they have a manual listed for free. If you do need inspiration, I will be creating a pinster board with examples of ramps into home and also into condos. Stay tuned to find out how to locate my pinster board at the end of this podcast. Now, I always like to end with a call to action. Here it is. Please write or call your Congress 
representatives to ask them to streamline the Medicare Advantage requirements for reimbursement of a wheelchair ramp. Because every little hint, every sort of suggestion that we can provide to Congress to hear our voice as a disability community to make wheelchair housing or disability housing homeownership easier and affordable is always needed. So thank you very much for listening. After listening today, disability home ownership is that much closer. Whether you are a wheelchair user or a worker in the housing industry, but there's so much more I can provide you through HorizontalHouses.com. HorizontalHouses.com is the hub for all things related to disability home ownership. You will find my blog, this podcast, my book, and how my consulting services can help real estate agents or housing developers market and tap into the largest minority group, the disability community, all of which come from real-world experience as a working-class, lifetime paraplegic who bought her first home during the Great Recession and successfully modified it. Please help me continue this exploration of disability home ownership by connecting through my Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram, Pinster accounts by either searching for horizontal houses on these platforms or visiting directly the horizontalhouses.com website. Most importantly though, please subscribe to the email distribution list located on the website so you don't miss out on any updates I may have. Remember, sharing our collective experiences will allow us each to lower the kitchen sink but raise the bar for disability home ownership. Thank you.